Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode eight of season five of This Osteopathic Life. I realized as I went through to ensure I was on the correct episode for last week's podcast that I actually ended up saying the wrong number. And I could have gone back and re-recorded, and I thought, I'm going to just let it be. And today, I'm arriving here a couple days past when I intended to record, simply because I was living in the moment of what was, and also wanted to speak to what was happening at that particular time. So it wasn't a pre-record batched episode. And I wanted to talk about today is the jar, and many of you are probably familiar with the metaphor, the story of the professor with the jar and the rocks and the pebbles in the sand. And I looked to find the original attribution for this, and I don't have one specifically. So this is not my original story. I've heard it told in many different settings. As I looked online, there are many different versions and iterations of it. But the general premise, to sum it up for anyone who hasn't heard it or to bring us all to the same page, is a professor arrives into a classroom and he places a jar on the counter in the front of the room and notes, is this jar full or empty? He then places rocks in the jar, filling it all the way up to the top. And he asks the students, is this jar full? They say yes. He then places pebbles and they find their way to nestle in amongst the rocks. And they're like, oh, it wasn't all the way full, but now is it full? Yes. And then he gets sand and he pours the sand in. And similarly there, it's able to fill in around all the rocks and all the pebbles, illustrating that can seem very full, but there's often room in different ways, different spaces. He then empties the jar and puts the sand in first. And from there, because the sand is occupying that space in a different way, not nestled in, but really filling up the base of that jar, there's not as much room and all of the rocks and all the pebbles can't fit. And so this lesson, this metaphor is talking about prioritization and what we put in the jar and the order in which we place things in the jar and how to be thoughtful, be mindful about what it is we are filling up our life with. It's a lovely analogy and a metaphor, and I've seen it heard and implemented it in different ways in my own life. And this past weekend, on the 11th of November, which would have been the 19th anniversary of my wedding day, I had my own jar, literally, right? Not necessarily metaphorically. (laughs) There's a jar, and the wedding. It was filled with sand and a couple little pebbles and ironically attempted to be filled with rocks that didn't fit through the opening of the jar. And this was the representation that often a unity candle might occupy in a traditional wedding ceremony. And it contained sand from all different places where we had grown up that were important to us in our lives. And the participants at the wedding poured this sand in. So everyone had a contribution to this. So the representation there, right, of those places of origin, right? those coming together from those original spaces of the individuals, the merging of those really intertwined in a way that cannot be divided, 
the engagement, the participation, the pouring in from those who love and support us into the jar. And it has lived in my home since that time. And when my home has moved coast to coast and it has tipped over, right? So you could see the layers of the sand over time, it became more and more intermixed in there. And since the time of separation and divorce, I have removed basically all representations of that marital experience in my life from my home, with the exception of this jar, unintentionally. So it was on the mantle and it was behind things, behind pictures of children and pamphlets from events and certificates of awards. And it wasn't until about six months into the officially divorced interval that I noticed it existed still in my home. And energetically, I knew I no longer wanted it in the house, but I also knew it wasn't something I wanted to just discard, particularly because of the representation that it held. And I placed it out of my home, out in the garage, a part of my home, but not in the central living space. And I decided it seemed most fitting, most appropriate, most meaningful to prepare for the release of that sand on that same date when it had been poured together. So I waited. That was about nine months ago that I discovered it in the home, and so I let it be. And on the 11th of November, I gathered up the jar and walked down to the beach where I have spent many an hour, many a lap swimming in the waters, sitting on the shore, cold dipping when it became cold, a space that feels sacred, safe, predictable, even in the unpredictability of the weather we can incur and the changing conditions of the water. It's always there, right? I can walk north. And even that feels fitting. It says due north. It is that reference point to arrive at that shoreline. And I sat with the jar when it was full, filled with sand and those few little pebbles that were in there. And I waited until 11 minutes past the 11th hour. And then I opened the top of the jar and I walked and I released the sand into the water. It took 11 steps and it was concluded within that same minute. So within that 11-11, on 11-11, all was released. And the jar then was empty. And I placed it back on the sand. I looked at it. I took a photo of it. And it occurred to me, the jar, when full of sand, was also full of limitations. It was full of the obligation to integrate in such a way that self was lost. And that can be really beautiful to come together and have a blessed union where two become one if those two are still allowed to be who they are, that they're free to explore, to evolve, and to change. But what if, right, they're required to be other than who they are? And evolution is absolutely not invited. You can notice that that fullness of the jar, rather than a loving, connected fullness, is really an oppressive and a stifling fullness. A limitation, and not in the beautiful way that boundary limitations can be helpful, but in a suppressive way. And I noticed looking at the empty jar, firstly, that you could see through it, right? See 
the perspective behind the jar because it was no longer obstructed by the sand within. So there was clarity in there. And there's an opportunity to see beyond the confines of the shape of that jar. And I was struck by this idea that it was full, full of possibilities. There were no limitations. The new contents of the jar were yet to be determined. And they could be placed in such a way that they may very well be able to be discerned and distinguished. And so in the process of that experience, I noticed expansiveness for myself. And I recognized the good faith, the intent, the purpose of sharing those special places where I had spent time in my youth and that represented my family and offered that up. And it was not necessarily received or met with the same level of intentions. And that's something I will never know for sure. I could only know how and what it was that I offered. I could know my own experience of what occurred in those two decades following. I could recognize now what is shifting and changing in this time since reclaiming who and how I am. And I can see now that the jar is available and I get to choose what it is that fills the jar. And I also get to decide and support myself in how I take that approach. And it's really my support of myself that matters most here. And so on the days following that experience, and the jar is actually in my home at the moment, in its fullness, in its emptiness, in its space for possibilities. And it's an interesting experience to view that. I had mentioned this jar metaphor during a session I had the honor, privilege, and joy of facilitating on Friday evening. So the day before this event of the emptying of the sand, the release of the sand into the water, free to move and float and be with all those other particles in a very different way. And we talked about the analogy, which was familiar to some and not to others. We talked about, well, what are those rocks? And sometimes this will be used very specifically for work. And they'll talk about what tasks you prioritize. So put the big things in first. In the Entre Empty Business School, we always talk about eating the frogs, right? Doing those less than pleasant things, but the ones that really are going to move your items forward and letting the littler stuff fall to the side or fit in where it will. So you can take that approach, thinking about it from your professional standpoint. What are those big tasks? And think about the ones that are most pertinent to and unique to you. I've had this experience, and maybe you have as well, of thinking, oh, well, anybody can do that. Or you have a success. You think, just right place, right time. Did it have much to do with me? And then you might begin to see, oh, actually, I do have a unique role to play here. Gifts to share. There's a reason I'm in this space and in this role. And thinking about that in your professional life, what is absolutely unique to you? And there can be this sense of challenge around irreplaceability. We can, of course, want to be needed and wanted in a space. And at the same time, for the most part, right, there can be a replacement offered up. If someone calls in six, they figure out a way to carry on throughout the day. Now, we can look and see in a medical model, 
right? That's the space I've spent the majority of my professional life. There are different roles for each of the people, and some might be more replaceable than others depending on the skill set required, the training required, the licensure required, the responsibility attributed. Right? If the surgeon calls out sick, the surgical tech can't just stamp in and do the surgery. So we can notice that. What are those unique roles? And we can also notice that we still have to honor our humanity and offer that the surgeon can call out sick. And yes, someone else could be called in, right? A call physician, we have a backup, we reschedule, whatever that is. And of course, there are different levels of situations, emergent situations where something does need to be done. And we look at those resources. But knowing that you're still allowed to be human, you're allowed to be replaceable and at the same time, unique and meaningful and purposeful in your role on any team. Allowing those to coexist right, is part of this invitation to juxtapositions in life so that we're not stuck in one way of thinking. So looking at that piece, what is unique to you? And focus a lot of your energy and attention there because you probably can do many things in your workspace, but which ones are the most important for you to do because of your unique contribution and training? Your unique is a tricky <laughs> combo of words to say. And then thinking about the pebbles. So what are those things that you do well, perhaps, and that aren't necessary, but they aren't the most pertinent? And then you can prioritize those in that second tier. And then the sand, right? Those things that need to be done, aren't top priority, have many people who could do them. And so when there is extra energy, reserve, time, you can pick those up but they don't feel the jar burst so that you can continue to do what is most relevant to you. And for many of my physician colleagues listening, you probably immediately go to paperwork. We fill up that jar with paperwork and check boxes. There really isn't as much room for the brilliance and the skill-specific tasks, and that is something to address. Anytime I'm working at the institutional level, we talk priority about what the individual can control of and for themselves. We also acknowledge the system change that is necessary to create a sustainable career, service, meaningful, high-quality care for patients. And it is a both-and experience. Yes, owning it, taking on what you can yourself, and then saying, why? Why are we filling this jar with sand and leaving no space for the rocks of the skills that these professionals have trained for a lifetime to provide, and can we make that shift? And we could talk about why so much sand is required and who should be really pouring in that sand. That's one approach to take. Thinking about your personal life, and this one can get a little tricky because if you look at the rocks and if you lay them all out on the table first, there might be some that are family-specific and work-specific and community-specific, I hope, and this is one we spend a lot of time with on that Friday, some of those rocks are really simply you-specific. What is important to you? And so many times, right, those rocks seem like they're big and prevalent and so important that they must be this landmark experience, right? A big event for which you are training or a massive project at work or a promotion that's there, milestone moments in your children's lives, big anniversaries for your parents, whatever that might be. And that can very much be true. Right? We can have the rocks represent these 
big right, in the way that the world would perceive them events. At the same time, I'd offer up that the rocks can often be little things, simple things, almost seemingly insignificant things that actually hold so much more weight. And they are actually likely rocks that we're carrying around and creating a heavy load because we don't acknowledge how much importance they have in our lives. And so those rocks might be 10 minutes of meditation a day, and that might be in two five-minute intervals. It might be a walk with a friend one or two or more times per week. It might be a phone call to a sibling or a good friend. And they almost seem like they don't take up any space because either perhaps we assume they're going to happen naturally or they don't, again, carry that landmark moment. You might not have a photograph of them. They might not be an anniversary on the calendar, but they hold so much power in a brilliant and beautiful way to contribute to our health. And so what if we began to re-examine these rocks and honor that milestone moments and promotions and priorities of that nature? Yes, absolutely, can have their space and place. And what would the impact be if we let those rocks represent some of those less perhaps measurable, but so much more meaningful pieces of our lives, right? The sleep that we have, the food that we consume, the relationships we nurture. What if those were the rocks? And maybe, I want to say demote, but I don't want to you know, denigrate or create insignificance around those other pieces. Maybe the pebbles are the ones that are those promotions and projects and races and events and anniversaries and games, whatever that might be. And there's still space for them. And actually, they might be a little more beautiful, a little more polished, because we've tended to ourselves in a thoughtful way first. And when they nestle in, we have even more appreciation for them. And picturing that, right? And if you're driving or walking, maybe don't close your eyes, but in your mind's eye, you can envision this jar and these rocks filling it up. And these beautiful pebbles, maybe of all different colors, snuggling in around all those rocks and filling up those spaces. And then the sand, right? Maybe those are some of the smaller tasks at work. And some of the more mundane things in the house that still contribute, right? Cleaning the home and grocery shopping for the meals, all those little tasks still fit in. And many times it can feel like I don't have time to do all of the things I want to do or need to do and check in. Maybe look at over this past week and look at your calendar. If you keep an electronic calendar or a paper calendar or both and notice what shows up on there. And for some, it's everything. There was a time in my life when every moment of the day was accounted for. And actually, I was looking for a new planner and there was one that had 15-minute intervals and I had to slam it shut. I said, that is so overwhelming. <laughs> Plan down to the minute doesn't feel great. Or having that flexible framework and seeing where I'm going and also having some space built into that as well. So maybe you put everything on there. Maybe you put the meditation and the walk and the journaling and the call with a friend. But many times, and I know for me, I don't necessarily. And what I noticed this past week is there's a time each week that I do walk with a friend. And it's a given. It's a near guarantee with the asterisk that if one of us has something come up, we can be flexible with that. But for the most part, it happens. And it happens in an interval that I don't demarcate on my schedule. 
And it hasn't been a problem because I haven't had my schedule open to virtual scheduling, which is how I engage in much of my work. It's pretty much just me putting things on different meetings, different groups. But I had offered up a link to a colleague to record an episode of the podcast. And they followed through with that. And I realized it showed up in that interval where I would usually walk with my friend. I thought, oh, wait, no, that's the time for this. But it was not demarcated. It didn't have a space held for it in the schedule, so it was available for that online virtual scheduling. It was an available hour. And historically, that was true. But things have shifted, right? And I didn't hold space for that event, which I do view is very purposeful and meaningful and valuable in my weekly experience. The connection, the movement, the fresh air, all of those pieces. And so I realized, oh, I need to place that holder in the schedule. And where is the room for that? in the jar. Similarly, for me, workouts happen on a daily basis, usually at about the same time, although I have the room for flexibility in my schedule for that to happen, but I don't put them on the calendar. And I I don't entirely know why. Perhaps I like to see more open space that is on there, but at the end of the day, it can feel like, well, what did I even do today? And when you look back and you have this smattering of meetings for work, and different project time carved out and activities for the kids and all the different pieces that you did. And that isn't reflected on there. There can be a sense of, oh, well, did I get credit for it? Did it even happen if it wasn't recorded? Likewise, if it isn't framed out, it may not actually happen. For me, it is so integral to who and how I am and what I do and necessary for my mental and physical health it is pretty rare that I would let the day go by without carving out some time for it. However, similar to that walk with a friend and as my schedule shifts and work comes in in different ways, it may be actually quite necessary to frame it out so that the time is protected, the value of that experience is acknowledged, and that may look different ways on that electronic calendar, on the paper calendar as I see it, or even retroactively if you've ever made your to-do list in reverse. (laughs) So you can put items on there that you have done to build that sense of success and possibility. That's another way to think about that. Is it holding space? Is it preserving these experiences that really are meaningful and valuable for me? So you can look at your jar that way. And then thinking about the fullness and the emptiness. And so many times we are all about the filling up the more, better, busier engagement. And there can be so much value and beauty in that. I think about the opportunities that I had growing up that my children have now that I see for my nieces and nephews. It's amazing. I had the opportunity to be in the audience for a play this past week and a performance. And thinking about that and thinking about the amazing commitment and talent, and hard work for these young artists and seeing that at play. And that is a busy lifestyle. It also requires choice. Because of the nature of the school that they attend, oftentimes you do have to choose away from certain other activities. And we can have this yes and no balance. We can't do all the things as much as I would love for that to be true. And so noticing when that jar starts overflowing, 
what's pouring in and what is spilling out. And sometimes it's not exactly the content exchange we would like. And so if you, your jar is full of the rocks and the pebbles and the sand, and you start to pour water in. And if there's enough water, it can begin to spill things out. And we can talk about density and buoyancy and all those pieces. But what if, right, filling it up with more of something else forces the spilling over and the exit of a pebble that actually you wanted to keep. And we can look at that through the lens of overwhelm. And so what we notice is when we're doing more of other things that we don't like, don't love, wish weren't happening, we might be losing the opportunity to participate in others, right? So many times exercise does spill out and empty, leave the jar and becomes no longer part of a regular routine, taking a moment and checking in and seeing what it is that's pouring in. And if we have that capacity to take charge and take control and take a pause and say, well, oh, well, actually, right, I want to keep this. So I realize I can, I can keep pouring in, but only to a certain level. And then I have to take a pause. And that's where the nose and the boundaries and those trade-offs come in. And that can feel frustrating and disappointing and create a sense of lack or scarcity, we could simply say, right now, right, I have hit the capacity and I'm going to stay with what's in here at this moment in time. And the opportunity, I hope, and here's what I realized too, the filling of that jar from the wedding ceremony became a fixed point. And we could look at the symbolism of that and we could look at the arrangements, but What if we can offer to ourselves the opportunity to shift the contents of the jar, to pour some pieces out, to place others in? Maybe sometimes to empty it out and let it breathe, to decant it, if you will. This jar had a lid on it that was sealed since its inception. So allowing yourself to have that flexibility there. And so many times, the jar itself is a fixed container. This one is glass. It has a set volume that isn't going to change. And we have the opportunity as this living, breathing creature to be a bit more flexible. We can think about how our bodies move, how our lungs expand, the capacity of our skin to stretch and give during different stages of our lives. At the same time, we do still have some finite capacity. And that could be oppressive or it could be relieving to say, I'm allowed to have this limit. So notice that you can have flexibility, but there is still somewhere a hard stop for you. And you get to choose that. And you can choose that thoughtfully. And it might extend, right? There are different times in our lives we have a little more reach, a little more room to give. And other times we need to draw that back in and make that boundary a little more narrow. So as we dance around these different metaphors of the jar and what fills it, what creates it, the clarity we have, the combinations that are available, the evolution that is allowed and welcome, I hope. We can reevaluate and we can be mindful and appreciative of those jars moving around all around us and how others might be experiencing this. And we can offer up space and conversation to say, what do you have space for right now? What would you like more of in your life? What would you like to let go of? 
And how might you simply rearrange? My sister has a beautiful company and concept called Be Kind Redesign. And it's about taking what already exists in a space and moving it around, readjusting, sometimes removing. It's very infrequently adding something. It's often removing something. So the space has more room, more clarity, more optimal function. So checking with that and maybe having a reserve space where you're not going to say no forever to those rocks or pebbles or sand being part of the ecosystem of your jar, but maybe not right now. And there can be safe spaces to let those go. They also might have a more appropriate engagement in the outside world. Releasing that sand to the water meant that those particles can exist and float and sink and dance in different ways. They're never meant to live in the jar. They can breathe and swim and be free out in the waters. So I thank you for the opportunity to share this experience and for the opportunity to reflect on common metaphors and stories and turn them on their side, flip them upside down, look at them in new ways and see what wisdom they might have to offer. And I hope that if you are feeling constrained, if you're feeling limitations in a way that is scratchy and stifling and uncomfortable, that you can take a moment, be empty out the jar and decide what it is you like to exchange, how you'd like to fill it and trust yourself to be exactly the right steward for this process, holding space for your growth, for your evolution, for the expanse of what is available to you. See the empty jar is full of possibilities and fill it thoughtfully with all that will serve your best health. This is Dr. Millie Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.